Hello, and welcome to CHIME's Leader to Leader podcast. I'm John Kravitz, board chair for the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives and corporate CIO at Geisinger Health. These days, it's important that every healthcare organization provide the best patient experience possible. And we'd like to talk to you further about this in today's podcast. I'd like to introduce Mark Podash, CEO of Certified Global. Mark, can you give us a little background? Yeah, uh, thank you so much, and I'm glad to be here today. Uh, my name is Mark Potash. I'm the CEO of Certify. Uh, we've been uh, in business now for about a decade. Uh, we came before from the payment industry. So uh, uh, my co-founder and I uh, decided uh, we sold the company back in 2011 and, and decided instead of retiring to uh, solve a world problem and a mission-oriented problem. And uh, what it really tracked back to was seeing a uh, on 60 Minutes uh, there was a special on medical fraud. And there was, uh, they said that there's about $100 billion a year worth of medical fraud. And we said, well, why, why is there $100 billion a year worth of medical fraud? Uh, and we decided to take our processing capabilities that we learned from the payment industry and apply it to authentication. So uh, being able to both facially recognize and digitally recognize individuals via fingerprint, facial recognition, iris, retina, vein pattern. There's a whole host of biometric capabilities and modalities, including POM, uh, that we've coded to a whole host of them. And we found that facial recognition is one of the best frictionless methodologies to recognize individuals in a, in a seamless, frictionless manner. So, uh, so thank you for having me, and I look forward to talking to you today. Thank you, Mark. And so um, we do have a lot of information we'd like to share with this group today um, concerning our digital journey and some of the work that we're doing with Certified Global. And uh, one of those is patient identification. We find patient identification is extremely important, especially during the COVID pandemic, uh, where we tried to minimize or limit uh, touching patients touching one another or being in areas, in waiting areas, that were really um, a potential for you know, spread of the virus. So at Geisinger, we began a process going back at least a year ago. That process was really around our registration, patient registration areas and notification of patients so that we can minimize the, um, the hurting of patients in one particular area, specifically in a waiting room before they get services. And so um, we started with a process working with Epic Corporation, incorporating geofencing and some other things. Uh, but we are pretty heavily using, at Geisinger, the uh, Epic MyChart portal. And so with the MyChart portal for patients, there's a mobile application for it, which actually allows us to do a lot, lot of different things, uh, which does include geofencing the ability for us to recognize when a patient is there, tie it right back to a scheduled appointment, understanding what the patient's there for, and then we utilize our chatbot technology to communicate with the patients. So the idea behind this is really, really important for us in that it gives us the ability for us to communicate with the patients as soon as their, their car comes into the geofence area in the parking lot or they're ready to get out of their vehicle. And so we can communicate with them, let them know if there's any delays in their appointments, um, let them know things are on track and proceed to a specified location where they can be seen. And so part of our process though has been working in order to do patient identification through facial recognition. So we started a process um, with one clinic, then we, we spawned it to four clinics and now we are moving it to um, a number of our clinics in the Northeast part of Pennsylvania. 
Uh, we do have a large territory in the Northeast, Geisinger Territory, and it allows us the ability to, to really start to expand these services using facial recognition. And the idea behind it is a patient registers the first time, they show proof of identification, uh, driver's license or another method of identification, um, and we lock their image in so that the next time they come in for services, scan the image, they know who the patient is, they're locked in, and we're able to connect them for the services. So Mark, what's, what's been your experience with, uh, with a lot of this work? Because I know this is really cutting edge work. Uh, we find it to be very valuable in our organization, but uh, how's your experience been so far in this? Yes, so far our experience with facial recognition uh, has been fantastic globally. Um, and, and I actually had some interesting statistics uh, that um, I thought was really interesting is that, that uh, over the last three years, so between 2014 and 2018, uh, biometric, uh, face, specifically face-based authentication has improved 20-fold. So, uh, which is really uh, some amazing results you know, with camera quality, uh, with algorithms getting better, and uh, and as you keep uh, going, obviously with Moore's law, you're going to keep getting better and cheaper all all the time. So, and, and fitting it into your strategy uh, with accurate authentication up front makes as much sense as humanly possible for really for any industry, but obviously specifically for for healthcare. No, I, I think I would agree with that statement. I think it's really important for us. I think it's we're touching the tip of the iceberg right now, uh, the ability to leverage this type of technology and expand upon it. And I think that's really important. One of the areas that, that we've seen, and we were wondering how patients might react to this or customers may react to this. And, um, and so when we first started explaining it to them, we didn't have anyone that said, no, I don't ever want to use my face for identification uh, before I get services. A lot of people stated, I'm a little busy right now. I can come back and get authenticated later uh, to use it, but I'm not, I'm not disinterested in ever using it. Uh, what we found over a period of time, we had about a 7% um, uh, denial of use in, in our population, which is not bad. So, so the inverse, 93% of our patients want to use it, and they really look forward to using it. So um, I think that's very encouraging. Uh, we see it especially where we have a lot of repeat appointments. So if a patient comes in, they're seeing their primary care physician regularly uh, for an illness or uh, an oncology patient who has to have either hemo-oncology uh, services or radiation oncology services where they have a lot of repeat services, find that to be extremely important. So that's where we're starting to deploy it now in the oncology services and also in musculoskeletal, so orthopedics, mm -hmm. because that's another area that we'll see um, a person may go to an orthopedic surgeon or an orthopedic physician to get diagnosed and then require therapy, physical therapy, which mm -hmm. typically is very closely intertwined with musculoskeletal services. Mm -hmm. right. And so once they come in, they get authenticated in the beginning, they can come in, it just hits the camera, they know who it is, they, they're just basically passed through a process. And what's important for us is the patients oftentimes will use the MyChart portal to validate their information ahead of the appointment, which makes it even more streamlined. Right. So that's important work, and that's our, our communication out to the patient. If you utilize the portal, you can validate you haven't moved your address, your insurance is still the same, so on and so forth. That saves a lot of time uh, when they do go through the appointment process. 
So yeah, we find that to be really valuable for us. Uh, we do integrate everything into our uh, EPIC electronic health record. So it is streamlined and smooth operations. Uh, we're continuing to work to refine all of our patient collection processes. Um, and we're working on that as we speak mm -hmm. uh, to streamline that even more to make it an even better seamless patient experience. So, um, you know, what are some of the side benefits for us? Um, we would have a lot of misidentified patients in the past, uh, causing maybe the potential of duplicate medical records. Um, so that's important that, you know, this is the tool that helps us to identify those patients and minimize uh, duplicate medical records. Because when you do have a, a, a duplicate record and documentation goes in, um, results from you know, testing, laboratory testing, or radiology reports and things like that, it takes a team of people to detangle those medical records and it costs a lot of time and money uh, to separate that information. So we think, you know, Certify will help us tremendously in the long haul through this process and, um, and really make certain we have the right patient identified up front um, and the medical record will be aligned to that patient and everything else so it would be a clean, uh, collection of data and not cause that entanglement process that we've had in the past. Right. And just to add on to what you said, which is really interesting, is that um, uh, for the most part, facial recognition is nearly an exact match, depending on if you're doing one to one, one to n, one to few, one to many. That's pretty much the distinction in facial recognition. And and uh, when you bring together the appointments that we're able to gather for the day or you're able to bring up someone's name and do one-to-one -one or one-to-few match, it's almost 100% accurate. So, and, and we're able to uh, uh, identify twins, identical twins, uh, uh, and all, all sorts of individuals, whether they're wearing uh, glasses, grow beards, don't grow beards, lose weight, et cetera. So that's all possible with facial recognition. So does that require um, continuous updates in, in imaging for the patient so that, you know, being that this is a cloud-based application, we're keeping the latest um, encounter of that patient so we keep the image clean and concise? That's a fantastic question. We do that internally so that's sort of the beauty about even regardless of certify or any let's call it enterprise SaaS based system so uh, and to to do uh, facial recognition or almost any kind of biometric authentication specifically facial amongst a, a large enterprise health system like like your health system. Uh, it, it is super important to have processes in place uh, and having other people do that so you can focus on care and then you have other people focusing on what they need to focus on and we, since we're doing biometric, uh, doing that all day every day. Uh, and then updates, uh, uh, like you're saying, so being able to have a system that automatically replaces the latest image and not in 100% of the time, but depending upon if you have a, a, a cancer patient coming in and they're routinely going through chemotherapy uh, and then let's say they lose 15 to 35 pounds, maybe even more depending on how heavy they were when they came in, uh, and their facial structure is going to change. So the distance uh, you know, on the end of their eyes will change to their eyebrows will change. Uh, so it is very, very important to be able to keep updates and upgrades to the system to replace the, the image that's there of the individual uh, coming in. So same with orthopedic. Uh, so if someone has an injury and they're a frequent person who works out and then they have a knee injury, they don't want to work out anymore and they'll say they gain weight. So same issue happens. Uh, so having a company 
uh, any uh, SaaS-based company that really cares about their technology to securitize the data and then keep putting in new processes and updating systems all the time is uh, really important. Yeah, I think that's one of the important things. Uh, SaaS-based software as a service or a cloud-based application, uh, we've not seen where we have latency or issues with time. You know, when we do this scan of the patient, the response is almost instantaneous, uh, getting that information back. So I know a lot of, a lot of folks may be concerned that if it's not on-prem, it's not going to be fast. It's not going to be accurate and concise. What, that's not the case that we've experienced at all at our organization. And, uh, and so can you speak to that? Have you had any issues with any latency or any types of problems like that in the past? It's actually a brilliant question. It's the right question to ask. Um, uh, and I can tell you that, that from our background, uh, we didn't talk about my background yet, but um, I, I was formerly a payment guy. So I started a payment company in my apartment in 1997, and we grew it to being a multi-billion dollar payment processor. So we did over $50 billion a year worth of payments. We did the credit card processing for Geico, Ameripress Financial, Schwann Foods, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, and a host of merchants around the world. And uh, specifically, most of our merchants were in the US. And um, if you think about a hop of a, of a payment transaction, it's going from a point of sale terminal, and, and the old school stuff was all dial up, and it would go from there usually to uh, a gateway or from a point of sale to a gateway, uh, then back out to uh, uh, Visa MasterCard, to the processor, to Visa MasterCard, all back again. And uh, MasterCard had, I think it was uh, 0.27 uh, seconds was their average time. So it, it was between like 0.24 and, and 0.28. And, and then uh, the standard for Visa was uh, 0.31 or 0.32. And it had to do with the distributed data centers. Uh, so Visa had two main data centers and, uh, and uh, MasterCard had a much more distributed footprint. So the, this, the speed and the optimization of, of the algorithms, optimization of the templates, of the faces and the processes is the key. So you could have a very slow system running internally. You could have a very fast system running in the cloud. So, uh, and again, it, it does go back to how much time, effort, energy your partner, uh, whoever that partner is, is spending on their SaaS-based platform. So, and I believe that uh, almost two decades worth of payment experience uh, really helped us get to that point where we're able to optimize transactions, securitize transactions, and, and provide that level of service for you across your entire continuum. And other health systems that we've had very, very large health environments uh, with clinics and hospitals and, and different locations within hospitals really helped us to perfect the process. So, and we do have uh, 10 patents around our technology that really helped us to, to uh, break ground in terms of some of the things that are, that are out there. So what I'd like to ask you, Mark, I think what's really important here, a lot of folks that are listening to this, you know, may have some concerns and apprehension about you know, using the cloud for patient identification and keeping those images in the cloud. Can you speak to this since you've, you've talked with uh, the credit card processing and security of those transactions, things like that for, you know, MasterCard and Visa and other major players that are using that for credit card processing of transactions, how do you secure the information in the cloud and how do we know we're protected from a data breach potentially? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. The first thing is that, that there's you can't be partially pregnant on security. Uh, so I could tell you with two and a half decades now of, of or three, really three decades of experience with the, in the security space, uh, and I would argue that 
uh, payments really is the security space because it's all you do all day long is think about the protection of data. So Talbots, TJ Maxx, Target, uh, all those breaches, uh, they scare you into protecting data. So uh, there was the OPM hack, even in biometric. Uh, so how do you protect the data, securitize the data? So, uh, and obviously adhering to and following best practices. So uh, we spend more uh, in security than uh, you'll ever spend in, in the, let's say that we have a 10-year agreement together with uh, Geisinger. Uh, we spend more annually than you'll spend in that decade uh, on our product set. Because to be HIPAA compliant, high trust compliant, ISO compliant, uh, those are, are, you have to have a team dedicated to it. So, and it really starts from the programming uh, all the way through. So uh, I would say that uh, our, we believe that our data is a, a more securitized process than having it uh, sitting in house because of the level of effort, energy, and care we put just on that one product set and how the database is encrypted, how the templates are encrypted, uh, the process of how it gets encrypted in flight, and all the things that we're doing to uh, decrypt and encrypt the product set. Uh, and um, my CIO, who's been with me for almost 20 years now, uh, we were the, the very first uh, uh, page on PCI, which is the standard within payments, uh, they used to call it KISP. So it used to be visa.com slash CISP, and a card industry security protocols or program. And they had three companies uh, back in 2000, uh, 1999, on Visa.com slash KISP, and we were one of the companies listed on there. So, uh, so it really is an adherence uh, and a, to the process of security, caring about security. Um, and in fact, we, uh, we also, uh, besides HIPAA and high trust and ISO compliance, uh, we're also FedRAMP compliant. So, uh, and we're even trusted uh, and through that process too from the federal government standards uh, that are there. So uh, to be able to, and we're responding to RFPs that have to do with the DOD and, and uh, other uh, agencies because of the process. So, uh, so I think it's a, it's a great question. I think that compliance and security for any SaaS-based company is uh, super important and uh, should be one of the most paramount questions to ask. Oh, that's great. Thank yeah. you, Mark. I appreciate that. Um, so I guess the other question I would ask is, you know, a lot of us are technical folks that are on this call and will we'll listen to this podcast. You know, how does, can you explain actually how it does work? Is it similar to, I've just got a new iPhone 12 and use facial recognition and set it up. And it seems to take, you know, the whole outline of your face and it, it seems to take every aspect of it as it's building that image, you know, to work. And it seems to work fairly seamlessly. Yep. So can you explain how for, for us techies on the phone or techies that listening to this podcast, how it really does work with, with Certify? Absolutely. I, I also think it's a, a great question is really understanding the process and, and understanding why it's technically better if uh, twins came in and uh, for someone behind the desk to look at an ID and recognize if one was a, a which twin it was. I know I'd get it wrong, you know, uh, right. So, uh, you know, facial recognition, if you think about, you know, it's from the beginning of time, you know, when you looked at your mother, your father, your, your brother, sister, that's your eyes are facially recognizing your brain's a facial recognition device. Uh, so, and uh, now this, there's a whole process of machine learning uh, that uh, they're, they're getting to the point now and there's a, there's a whole um, science around it and, and uh, to be able to improve that whole process 
uh, where machines will start to actually use artificial intelligence to know, oh, this is Mr. Kravitz, and uh, Mr. Kravitz likes his, his coffee uh, black, and uh, he likes a small cup of coffee. So the second you walk into the hospital, being able to know that it uh, tells you you have to go to radiology, which is two, two flights up to the left and room 201, and there's a cup of coffee waiting for you, and they greet you when you walk in, right? So uh, that, that's where we want to get to, a completely concierge-based, frictionless, uh, process that makes you feel warm, comfortable, and fuzzy. Uh, and uh, but the actual mechanics of it. So the uh, depending on what kind of camera, and cameras are getting better and better. So uh, when you have a good photo of, of an individual, and um, and the iPhone, not only is it a good camera, but you're also moving it around. And there's so many cameras. Prices have come down so much. So uh, for example, at, at your health system, you're using a color and IR. Uh, uh, infrared camera, so it's able to do both. So it has the RGB and the and the IR. So IR is the best one you can utilize to get a, a great facial uh, match. Uh, and what what it's doing is um, the the picture comes in uh, from the IR and color, uh, and then from that picture, and same with the iPhone when you move your face around, and you're getting it's using all it's creating a template for your face. So it's uh, calculating the distance between. Uh, the edge of your nose, the edge of your eye, the inside of your eye, the center of your eye to the side of your eye, the corners of your mouth, your ears. Uh, so, and all these points come in. It, it does a uh, facial uh, match on a template, basically, when the template comes in. So now when a new individual comes in, it's the likeliness that that template matches another template. So, and everything in, uh, in almost all biometric is measured on uh, false acceptance, uh, false positive, false negative. So being able to measure uh, what the false negative, false positive rates, and that's measured by NIST. So National Institute of Standard Technology, which is based not, not too far from us in Maryland. Um, it works out that the algorithm that we happen to use is number one at NIST. So we wanted to be able to have as much uh, the accuracy as much as humanly possible when matching to say this is the individual. So it's not just a person behind the desk looking and saying this is uh, Mr. Kravitz. It's uh, being able to look at uh, having the camera say this is uh, Mr. Kravitz. And, and just to even put it one step further, U.S. Open was this past weekend, and, and uh, the U.S. Open, they don't have any more line judges. So uh, IBM has 240 cameras set up around the stadium, and, and they're calling uh, uh, ins and outs all based on the cameras. So realizing that camera technology and processing technology is just better than humans as it relates to uh, that process. So just a question, because this is something we were worried about spoofing the camera, right? With someone having a picture of someone and bringing it in. Is that where the IR comes into play because it can sense heat as well? It's not just a picture of someone. It's actually a body, a person that's being scanned. Yeah, that's, like, that's exactly it. So I would say it massively reduces the ability of, of spoofability. Uh, so uh, that's why on the iPhone it has, it's actually when it, when it does your face, it's actually IR. So you see your face, but that's the RGB camera, and then the IR uh, is actually doing the, the facial matching, facial recognition. Uh, and that's why when it's dark uh, and you're um, at night on your phone and you hold your camera up to your face, uh, the, uh, the light from the camera is just enough uh, to be able to use the IR and, and it's able to authenticate you as, a, as an individual. So. That's, that's a great explanation. Thank you for that because it, it mm -hmm. seems to be a mystery for some folks and, mm -hmm. and how it really does work. And one of the things that we're looking to do uh, with a mobile device like an iPhone or an Android device is be able to, you know, per person doing the identification themselves. Right. 
right, or another person doing the identification. That's the next area that I wanted to speak to. And uh, one of the areas that we'd like to do it, because we do use iPhones, nurses have them, is to leverage that for the medication administration process. So uh, being able to use an iPhone device, scan the patient, and know it's the right patient, it's the right time for the medication with the right dosage, uh, the right medication, so on and so forth, uh, all the way through that process to streamline it and to be certain that it's getting to the right patient and getting the right outcomes from that. So, you know, I think that's an area where we can do a great job, do an even better job, have higher quality standards throughout the organization, utilizing a tool like Certified Global to assist in those areas. And, um, and there's one other area that I'd like to look at it as well, and that is pre-surgical uh, processes for validation. Uh, right now, um, having been a patient for a surgical procedure within our organization, um, you know, you're in pain before you go in for surgery. I happen to have an orthopedic issue that was quite painful. Uh, going in for emergency surgery for it, you're asked your name probably 20 times, if not more. Right. Uh, make sure you are that person. What's your date of birth? Where do you live? You know, all the mm -hmm. verification steps in a manual process, which could be prone to error. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, there is an opportunity to use a, a mobile device or an iPhone. Uh, scan that patient, know that it is the right patient going in and then validate at one time what the surgical procedure is. Even if you validate them again, mm. say the patient's sedated or ready to go in for surgery, do another validation. Mm. It's still going to work for them. Right. Uh, and we can be certain that they're going in for the right procedure on the right body part right. And, uh, and it is the correct process going forward. Um, I had that opportunity and I talked before I was sedated to go into the OR suite and uh, one of the questions that the surgeon, the charge nurse, and uh, anesthesiologist asked, "Did you have you already been intubated and, and, uh, and uh, sedated? I said, no, but I'm telling you, this is the process going forward. They go, we love it. <laughs> we love it. So mm. I think there's an opportunity within our organization and all organizations to, to leverage something like this. Yeah. Um, this could really be the start of something much better, much safer mm. for our patients in the med adherence, med administration, as mm. well as pre-surgical uh, opportunities. So I, in my opinion, the sky's the limit. I think we're just touching the tip of the iceberg here. We can certainly improve processes with technology as other industries have done. Right. Um, and you'll see you know, where, where healthcare is finally on the cusp of using digital strategy initiatives mm. to be able to accomplish these kinds of goals. And, and uh, there's one thing that you just mentioned that, that comes to mind and, and that I, I, I'm a big fan of, uh, one is process improvement. So being able to uh, improve the process all the time. And other things that we've heard of over time from many other uh, health leaders uh, is training individuals. So uh, it's harder, as we know right now, especially in the economy, not only because of COVID, but uh, the way the economy is right now, it's very, very hard to get uh, individuals. So and to get them, you know, uh, uh, especially on a check-in facilities or checking individuals in or uh, being able to just do basic functions. Uh, and then also trusting the human component because many times you're in a rush uh, that you finally do get someone and now you have to uh, train them, but sometimes training could be cut short. Or there could be real-world scenarios that maybe you're not that when, by the time it goes to the person doing the initial training, whether the person was out that day, paying attention, not paying attention, to be able to remember all the little things. And what I love about technology, especially innovation and technology, and, and I've seen that absolute commitment fr from you, uh, is being able to work with operations and create 
technology to be a standard that you have to follow. So making it very easy to the point you mentioned where you don't get the green check mark that you can start the surgical process until there's been a, a, a third party biometric authentication of the individual or it check them in upfront and you know you scan the bed and you know what bed that person is you know that you've had an auditory confirmation from the individual that asked a specific question you know that you push the uh, uh, that now you held it up over the person and a great example of that is um, uh, in the uh, when they used to land on aircraft carriers I think they had a nearly a 20 percent I think my numbers may be wrong but it was nearly 20 percent rate of an high seas of uh, airplanes crashing and then what happened was they implemented a process where all the pilot had to do uh, was match up a dot and a line. So, and they used a, a digital interface for them, so it would help uh, to measure. So they no longer had to look at night at the boat going up and down. And all they had to do was watch the dot and make sure the dot was at the top of the line. Uh, and it brought crashes down to almost nothing. So, and that's to me a point of using technology to help improve the process where now it, it improves it throughout the entire continuum. And when you're running a large organization like yourself, it, whether you, if you have a small dental practice with two people, you can do that. You could train the person. When you're running a, a massive health system, the ability of knowing that there's a human component in there, that they have to be trained properly and they've seen all the different scenarios, especially when the person, another person leaves maybe before the new person gets there and all that institutional knowledge leaves, uh, being able to use technology to your advantage, I, I just think is so important to do. And, yeah, and I, I think we're seeing as people get retrained to use technology as well, right? So part of our processes uh, that we are doing is having a concierge-type service where we have a person there like you would see at a Walmart when you started going to self-service uh, checkouts, right, at Walmarts or your grocery store and so on and so forth. There's a person there when you get stuck or you can't get through the process to help you through the process. And we're doing the same thing here it will eliminate a lot of other, you know, through attrition or other processes that we have people leaving the organization. Um, and there's opportunities now to do it with less people, be much more efficient because of the technology, and be able to drive, you know, much higher uh, quality scores and, and safety measures in place. So it's really important for us as an organization. Yeah. And I think also think hospitality has been doing that for years where if you think about a high-end hotel, and in fact, one of the investors in our company is Loreen Jobs, Steve Jobs' wife, and uh, her brother's on our board and a dear friend of mine. And um, he talks about whenever he travels with her and they go to the super high-end hotels, uh, what they do in the morning is uh, they actually get, uh, not, not the jobs, but actual uh, the hotel staff, they get a book of all their high-end clientele and they have pictures of the of the person, they have the person's name, they have the picture, and everyone has in the morning meeting, they remember everyone's name, and uh, my, my friend, his name is Greg Powell, was able to see this book. So, and what he talked about was that how important it is when you walk into a location and they know your name. They know, oh, Mrs. Jobs, welcome back. Uh, your room is uh, room 232, it's uh, right up here, here's your key. So that concierge process, being able to take that down and push that downward. You don't need a manual book. You don't need a, a, a photo in a book to train someone to do that. You make it part of the process. So someone walks in. Now, uh, Mr. Potash walks in the front door. Oh, Mr. Potash, welcome back. Or as soon as you walk in, uh, oh, head to room 232. And the person behind the desk in radiology says, oh, uh, Mr. Potash, welcome back. So whether you like being called Mr. Potash or Mark, 
you know, so even little things like that to be able to improve that process and improve the experience. So it's not just the frictionless part, it's the, to your point, the concierge part. And as you fight for customers and if customer uh, has the ability of going to one location or they can go to a different uh, uh, health service down the block, the goal is for you always to keep them in your environment. Yeah, and I, I think what's important there, I know it's away from this technology a little bit, but you know, um, scoring, you know, the scores you get for your patients, your, uh, your stickiness score, if you will, it's, it's so much less costly for us to retain a customer versus trying to, to find a new customer and bring a new customer into our organization. Um, and one of my questions was going to be, um, do you see an opportunity, we're, we're just implementing a whole CRM solution? Mm. And, uh, and the ability for us to tie this to the CRM, because it sounds like what they do in the high-end hotels are tying it in so they have all the attributes that the, the person wants to be identified by, their likes, their dislikes, all the components that would tie it together to be a really mm. supreme you know, customer experience. And we want to do that with every patient that we have coming mm. into our organization. Right. It makes them feel like you know, they're part of this organization, we mm. care about them, we care about their family members. We want to deliver uh, the ultimate, you know, healthcare experience for them, right. and really make it uh, a very personable experience. That's fantastic. I, I I think that the thought process that you're going through here to me is completely spot on. Uh, uh, that's someone who's fighting for their health system, a commitment to innovation and a commitment to improving the process. And uh, I, I think at the end of the day. Uh, Again, this is just from my experience in dealing with not only healthcare but outside healthcare. That the large enterprise systems, whether it's Epic or Cerner, you name the system, even smaller ones like eClinical Works, they really love to keep everything in house. They don't want to share, they don't want to open things up. Uh, but look at the iPhone. So you have one of the most powerful tools that we know of in, in our times, and it's only been a decade, you know, that, or 11 years, this iPhone is only 11 years old, and yet it's uh, something that is standard for everyone, uh, at least in the United States. So, and uh, what they've done is they've let the world be their entrepreneurs. They let the world be the innovators. So they provide the platform, and they let everyone else around them code to their standard and say, hey, create really cool, neat things for our customers to do, where if you look at BlackBerry, it's completely locked down. Uh, BlackBerry had to create whatever it was that they needed in there, and, and by limiting that, um, obviously they went out of business or they're near bankruptcy. Yep. So, uh, and I think that uh, Salesforce has that same model uh, where they have 18,000 apps, they've got an app conference. So really inspiring and, and uh, providing innovation a platform to innovate to, and I think that uh, the commitment to healthcare, definitely within the next two decades, not being a futurist, but within the next two decades, facial recognition, CRM experiences, the entire customer experience will be the standard and the most important part of healthcare, I'd call it other than healthcare, like sure. outside of healthcare. Yes. So, uh, and being able to have patients having real-time interoperability with their medical records, being able to know who they are the second they walk in, uh, being able to accurately identify uh, with zero uh, uh, intermingled medical records. To your point, you know, every time a medical record, it's not only the the intermingling and the, the demingling of that record or putting uh, data into the wrong place. It's the time factor. So we just don't have enough with the economy the way it is to get people to actually do that and it's such, uh, there's so many things at risk with putting data in the wrong place uh, that uh, having it integrated to CRM, to EHR, EMR, 
uh, all-in-one unified process-oriented place and using technology uh, to me is the most important thing and, and, and I do think that you're moving from the, uh, an operations individual being a, a super important part of the uh, health system to the CIOs. The, C, uh, the information end of, of hospitals are now becoming the most important part. So. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think the opportunity to leverage analytics and other tools that we have available with the facial recognition will be a key part of this. Mm. And um, I look forward to the future. I think it's an exciting future. Mm. A lot of opportunity using the right tool kits and the tool sets to make this work and be effective. And, um, and I know a number of us are on this journey now. So look forward to, to hearing more about your product at the Chime Fall Forum and, uh, and participation in focus groups. Absolutely. Thank you. Th thanks so much. And uh, I appreciate your commitment to innovation. And I, I would challenge, uh, regardless of me sitting here today, I would, I would just challenge all the uh, Chime uh, leadership and, and that you are the leaders of your organization from the technological perspective. Uh, there's a saying uh, that I think I've, I've talked to you about before. Uh, I, I'm a longtime martial artist, and they say um, that in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the experts, there are few. And I know we've all heard of, oh, you can't integrate to this system, it's too hard. Can't integrate to that system, it's too hard. And, uh, and the problem is with that, with that mentality when you're always focused on can't be done, not going to do it, versus uh, letting someone out there and, and saying, let's try it. You know, I think it's important for us all, uh, myself included, just to be committed to an open mind and innovation and pushing the boundaries of what we think is possible because I think that at the end of the day it's it's all for our patients benefit and uh, we're all mission oriented in terms of uh, better health for our patients and having a better system and and committing to uh, using technology as a process is uh, why we joined Chimed and, and why we're uh, a platinum sponsor of Chime. Well we thank you for your time today and thank you for sharing this valuable information so much appreciated Mark. You're welcome thank you. Thank Thanks. you.